Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning. Good morning, Gateway Logan. Oh, I got, got some claps. I'll pay you later for that, Peter and Nell. Thank you. Well, my name is Eleanor. For those of you who don't know me, I'm the missions pastor at Gateway. And it is such a, a privilege, thank you, Dave, for inviting me uh, to be at Logan. And uh, l- last week, I think it was, Dave, you showed um, some photos of the renos you guys did during Heart Week and uh, the landscaping. And it was just, it gave me goosebumps to see really practically lived out faith in the community and to know that Gateway Logan is so strategically placed through the ministries that you guys are doing, through the wonderful work that Heather and the team is leading up in in the care ministry here, just to see faith expressed in very tangible ways. And it's making such a difference. And, you know, I couldn't uh, preach here in Logan without giving a, a little plug Uh, Another way of uh, being part of faith being lived out and expressed in very tangible ways would be to consider being part of a short-term team. I'm uh, taking a two-week outreach team to Papua New Guinea, Port Moresby, uh, towards the end of this year, November 27th till December the 11th for two weeks. So if you'd like to be part of that team, jump on our website and uh, click on our Beyond tab and that will take you to a a link for short-term teams. And so if you'd like to continue just to be the hands and feet of Jesus, not only here locally, but globally, would you consider being part of that short-term team or letting someone else know that you think uh, would enjoy to be part of that I don't come from a Christian family. I got saved uh, relatively later in life, in my last year at university. But my heart, as far as my understanding, I am the only Christian uh, in my family on both sides for as far back as I can see. And I kind of think it's going to start with me and kind of end with me the rate things are going. But, you know, my heart, has always been to be that tangible hands and feet of Jesus to my family. That, Lord, let it start in my own family. I I was a missionary overseas for many years, but it always was, God, I don't want to go overseas and just see people come to know you. I want my family to come to know you. To be a, a woman of faith that is tangibly the expression of Jesus. To my, to my family. Just uh, a few weeks ago, my cousin, Alison, she's a, a, a year older than me, uh, I was speaking to her and she was just, just, I guess, sharing some of what's been going on in her life. Um, it's a, a long and complicated story, but her husband uh, passed away last year from cancer. She had him at home. Uh, looking after him right up until his passing. And uh, she was just sharing about just the hardships of, of walking through and letting go of her husband. 
And, and then reflecting on how years earlier she had uh, lost her job. She was a cleaner in a, a primary school. She'd had a bad accident, uh, ended up breaking or shattering her leg bone. Uh, and as a consequence of that, had many complications with that, lost her job, uh, looking after her husband. But not only that, their uh, daughter, when she was born, was born with Crohn's disease. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's quite a, uh, a, an ongoing, debilitating disease. But her daughter had married a young man who has been diagnosed with a brain tumour. And so now the daughter is looking after her husband who has a brain uh, tumour and their firstborn daughter was born blind. And it just goes on and on. And Alison was sharing with me how the last few months she's had some growths uh, coming up on her face and neck and it had just been diagnosed as cancer. And as I, I was on the phone with her and just listening as she was just, she doesn't know Jesus. Just sharing about all that was going on. Her words to me were, Eleanor, I don't understand why so many bad things are happening to our family. Why we're going through so many bad things. And, and you know, Dave uh, started to, to share this morning about a family this morning and, and they're going through a, through a hard time. I must admit, I've been a Christian now for more years than a non-Christian, but there's been so many times I also have wondered, have really struggled with, God, why does bad stuff happen? And why does bad stuff happen to, to, to good people? We often hear that statement. But you know, the fact is it does happen. Just unjust things happen, bad things happen. All of us can relate to this. Just, just a couple of weeks ago, I was in uh, Garden City and I was in the car park at Garden City. I had my 80-year-old mum in the car and my, my friend and, and uh, I don't, maybe it's just me, but I get a bit confused with arrows going in all directions. Are you allowed down that aisle with the car and not that aisle? And so I turned a corner and there was a young man coming that way and then I realized I wasn't supposed to turn into that aisle with my car and so this young guy as we came around the corner he just starts letting off expletives you beep 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 and it just went on and on just going berserk screaming out of his window at me so I'm like oh I'm all stressed so I, I try and pull the car over so he can get past and as he's going past I say to him oh I'm so sorry I hope you have a nice day now, I think he thought I was being sarcastic because then he told me to go beep myself and you name it. It just went on and on. And I sat there traumatized for a few minutes and, and I said to my mother, who's, like I said, 80 years old, she's like ash white. I said, well, that was a pleasant morning. You know, <laughs> you know as in God, why? Why do we need to, to, to face these unjust situations, or in the case of my cousin, these, these really horrible situations. Now, I know as a Christian, and I know as a pastor, the theological statement to all of this is the fact that we live in a world that's broken. 
things are not the way they should be. In uh, Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, sin, separation, rebellion from God, death entered the world, sin entered the world. Things are not the way they are meant to be today. We have sickness, we have disease, we have crime, we have selfishness, we have all these things that happen. But as a Christian sometimes, and, and I, I have to catch myself sometimes that I don't do this, but I've sometimes heard people preach what I call an easy gospel to others, that, hey, Come to Jesus, and then all your problems will get taken away. The joy of the Lord shall be your strength. Those who come to Jesus are sheltered under his wings. And the goodness of God, and, you know, we, we know the, the words that get spoken. And it's almost like sometimes if, if we come to Jesus, if we know Jesus, that somehow bad stuff shouldn't happen. Or if it does happen, you know, what can happen is we get into this, this cycle of why is it happening to me? And I'm reminded there's, there's a passage in, um, we know the story of Job. Job was a righteous man. Job uh, was someone who followed after Jesus. But, well, he didn't follow after Jesus. Jesus wasn't on the scene at that point. But he was a believer in God. But even Job uh, says in chapter 21, he says, Why do the wicked live on, growing old and increasing in power? And, and in this passage and throughout the book of Job, he's basically saying, you know, I, I understand if... He doesn't actually say this, but I'm going to take it that one leap further. I understand if bad things happen to people who don't know Jesus... But why is it they prosper? And, and why is it they see their children established and their offspring growing? Their homes are safe and they are f free from fear. The rod of God is not on them. And he goes on and on. They spend their years in prosperity. They go down to the grave in peace. And Job is essentially saying, why is it that, you know, Bad things happen to those who follow after you. And so the whole point that I want to spend some time on this morning is what is the point of suffering and hardships and difficulties and pain that we go through? Father, I pray this morning as I spend this time uh, in your word, I'm very aware, Holy Spirit, that, Father, you are the one that has the words of eternal life. I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, would you touch hearts? Would you encourage? Father, would you strengthen this morning, especially those that are walking through difficulties, those that, Father, which all of us can relate to, struggle in times of hardship to understand what it is you're doing. Father, I invite you this morning. Thank you that you're here. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start this morning by uh, looking at a, a small story in, in 1 Samuel, and it's a story of Hannah. 
And uh, many of you may know this story, but let me see if I can recap it. So Hannah is married to an Israelite named Elkanah, and Elkanah has two wives. Now, chances are he married Hannah first, but she was barren. She couldn't have children. And so as part of Jewish custom, he married a second wife in order to succeed the, the, the heritage of the family name. And the second wife was Peninnah. I don't know, Peninnah, Peninnah, I don't know how you say it. One of those sorts of names. So he had these two wives. And the story goes on how every year... Elkanah, he was a, a God-fearing uh, Israelite. He would travel with his family to a town named Shiloh, a larger city, and they would go into the temple and they would bring their sacrifices to the Lord each year. And it was customary that a portion of the sacrifice was given to the Lord first and foremost, and then a portion was given to the priests. But then a portion of the sacrifice was given to the family, to the wives and to the children. And so Elkanah would give a portion to Peninnah and her children, but to Hannah, he would give a double portion. And we're told in, um, well, I don't actually have that scripture there, but we're told he would give a double portion to Hannah because he loved her more. And so you can imagine Peninnah, you can imagine being the other wife who has the children and is also married to uh, Elkanah, and meanwhile he's giving a double portion to the wife that hadn't provided as she should as a woman him, him with children. And so this no doubt provoked feelings of jealousy and, you know, a, a bit of... Uh, anxiety and annoyance and so we're told in first Samuel that this is what happened because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb her rival Peninnah kept provoking her in order to irritate her and this went on year after year so where actually when you, when you read the story of Hannah, that year after year is actually 19 years that Hannah was married and barren. And in Israelite Jewish culture, to be unable to have children was seen almost as a, a curse from God. It was seen as something of great shame. And you can imagine with Peninnah, the wife who had the children, provoking her, teasing her. No doubt Hannah was crying out to God, why? Why can't I have children? God, why have you judged me? Uh, she probably, I don't know, had depression. I'm sure great tears and, and, and suffering with great shame. And so one day in the story in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel, Hannah goes into the temple and in anguish of heart, she's crying out to God. She's praying, but she's praying in her heart with just her lips moving as she's praying. And the story goes on that Eli the priest, he sees her praying and crying out silently. And this is what she prays. In verse 11, she made a vow saying, 
Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery, there you go, misery, and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. So she's almost bartering with God, if you would remember me, not forget me, see the misery and the pain that for 19 years I've been walking through. And Eli the priest, he's sitting there and he sees her praying this prayer out of her heart with her lips moving and he basically rebukes her and he says, hey, put away your wine, put away your beer, you drunkard. Don't come into the house of the Lord like that. And Hannah says to him, no, no, that's not so. This is what I'm praying. And then Eli realizes the earnestness of her heart. And Eli says, may the Lord grant you your prayer, Hannah. And he essentially blesses her. He, Eli's a priest. So he blesses her, may the Lord hear your prayer. And so Hannah leaves um, she ends up, as the story goes on, she returns home. She becomes pregnant to Elkanah. And after the child is weaned, which is around two to three years of age in biblical times, she takes Samuel, who she names her son Samuel, and she takes him to the house of the Lord and she gives him to Eli the priest. And we know the story of Samuel. He grows up to be one of the greatest Israelite leaders that, that had ever lived. And so there's a lot we can learn from this story about faith because Hannah was a person of faith. But how do we become people of faith? You know, that's what I want to actually focus on. How do we become people of faith? Are we born people of faith? So when we read the stories in the Bible about Hannah and, and others, were they Moses? Were they just born these mighty men and women of faith? Or did they somehow become? It's kind of that nature versus nurture, becoming people of faith. You know, unfortunately, when it comes to the term faith, we use it a lot, but I don't know if we sometimes grasp exactly what faith is all about. In Hebrews chapter 11, we're given a definition in verse 1 of what faith is. It's faith is defined as the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. In other words, faith is having complete confidence. It's having complete conviction in God's nature and character, that who he says he is, that I know with my every pore of my being, that is the case, that his goodness does run after me. That's faith. But unfortunately, unfortunately in this broken world where things are not the way they should be, we recognize that life is full of hardships. Life is full of injustices. Life is full of afflictions and things that, that really test our faith. And this is, I guess, you know, a good Baptist sermon. This is a, 
the first of three points I want to bring is that somehow to become a person of faith, faith is grown, faith is developed in afflictions. Faith is birthed out of hardships. Faith is grown in that place of difficulties. And we see in Hannah's affliction, her difficulty, her challenge was barrenness. The Lord, we're told literally in verse 5, had closed her womb, had closed her womb. And this caused misery, this caused shame, this caused suffering. And I recognize Hannah's affliction of being barren probably doesn't apply at least to all the men in the room or to the many of the women in the room. For some of you, this may be your affliction. And we all have different afflictions. What's your affliction? What's your challenge? What is it that you struggle with? Maybe it's physical, a challenge that you're facing, an ongoing health condition. Maybe it's a, a, an affliction to do with relational conflict that just seems to be ongoing, that you can't somehow find an answer to. Maybe it's a desire that you've been praying for or hoping for, for, I don't know, five years, 10 years, maybe 19 years, maybe more, and you're just not seeing the answer. The reality is, in this life, bad stuff happens. We know the, the saying, I won't say it because it's a church, but beep happens. Bad stuff happens. And often it's not a result of, of our lack of faith or lack of, or our fault. Bad stuff simply happens. And it happens to good people and it happens to people who don't know Jesus. Just that's part of life. That's reality where it's not our fault. Sometimes bad stuff happens as a result, a direct correlation to a choice we've made. You know, the number of times, oh, this is my excuse anyway, I'm the sort of personality, those that know me, Adele, Dave, I'm not very detailed and, and sometimes when I'm driving, I don't know, I get into la-la land, I guess, and I don't know, my foot just seems to go faster on that accelerator and there's been many a time I've been pulled over, unfortunately, and uh, when the policeman says, is there any reason for speeding today, I'd say, no, I'm sorry. And so, you know, they'd write me a ticket and I'd politely take it. Bad stuff as a result, a consequence of a choice I've made. So sometimes bad stuff can come in that form. And sometimes bad stuff happens to us as a, re as a result of someone else's actions. We know that. You know, someone else who just decides because you're going the wrong way in a parking lot can scream abuse and obscenity at you. Bad stuff happens. You come home and your house has been burgled, a result of someone else's choices. Bad stuff happens. In India, an example of what I call bad stuff happening is... Uh, here I am, you know, sounds very virtuous, serving Jesus in India, 
being a missionary for Jesus. And, you know, if bad stuff happened as a result of me preaching the gospel and then I was persecuted, I could handle that. But this is probably one of the worst things that happened to me in India. I was mopping. I, I had a, a, like a, for lack of a better word, a townhouse, two, two levels in the house. And I lived with some other missionaries. And I was mopping up the stairs. And then my phone rang. And the, the phone was downstairs. So I ran down the stairs to get to my phone. Well, wet tiles and... Um, I became a stunt double for Mission Impossible, and I just want to tell you, I did not bounce. And there were 14 stairs. So picture, this is two stairs, there were 14. I fell down those 14 stairs, and long story, ended up in hospital in India, in Mumbai for several weeks, and then the ongoing ramifications of of that fall has gone on and on, complications to do with that fall, particularly in my spine and in my neck. And uh, bad stuff happens. And when I was in India, in the hospital, and I still remember being rushed to the emergency department and hobbling, I could barely walk, and I got a hematoma, my butt was literally out here somewhere, 10 times bigger than it normally is. And I still remember the Indian doctor. I was in the emergency thing, and this is, he said, okay, take your pants down so I can have a look. And all he did, and please forgive me, he wasn't a Christian, all he did was went, oh my God, oh my God. And I was trying to diffuse the shame and embarrassment, and I, I said to him, is it the size of the bruising or is it the size of my bum that you're, you're exclaiming about? <laughs> but, you know, and the next thing I knew, he ran off and he brought about five intern doctors back to look at my bottom. And it was the most humiliating uh, weeks. I never had so many people so focused on one part of my anatomy. You know, the question is, what problems, what afflictions, what challenges are you facing today? What is it that we're told in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What is the trouble you are having? What is the affliction you are facing? And God somehow is wanting to grow your faith through that challenge. And it's all in how you respond, how you respond to the affliction, how you respond to the challenge. And we see in Hannah's life, she didn't get bet bitter. She didn't get disappointed. She didn't say, well, stuff God. He doesn't see me. He doesn't care. I'm on my own. I give up. What's the point of it? She didn't stop going to the temple and worshiping, faith is growing in affliction. Faith is growing in troubles and hardships. Which brings me to the second point. Those of you who are going, oh my gosh, what's the time? Okay, second point, all right, I can hang in there. Faith is tested through perseverance. Faith is growing in affliction 
and it is tested through perseverance. Throughout the scripture, there is some tie to perseverance and faith. God wants you and I to be people of maturity. He wants us to grow up literally. In Romans chapter 5, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance? And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You know, reaching maturity of faith, that testing of faith through perseverance, it's kind of like, oh my gosh, it's like a weight. God uses afflictions. He uses challenges. Why? So that we can exercise our faith muscle. You know, if I want to get big biceps, I don't do this. Oh, I'm exercising. You know, if I want to get biceps, I've got to do curls. I've got to do this one. I've got to do this one. I, you know, oh, forget that. But I have to exercise, yeah, I have to exercise. And the only way we can exercise faith, and this is the rub, this is the reality, the only way to grow faith is we're facing resistance. We're facing weight that is against us that somehow requires us to rise up and say, I will not give up, I will press on, I will keep going no matter what. I'm walking through. God wants us to verse persevere and press on to keep swimming, keep swimming, to keep walking step by step, to exercise our faith. And that's a reality. Faith, by its very nature, it has to be tested. Let me say that again. Faith, by its very nature, has to be tested. And what I mean by that, you don't know what's there until it's tested. I used to be a primary school teacher. How many teachers do we have in the room? Several primary schools, several teachers. A teacher tests the children, not to cause them aggravation, but to see that they've got the material firmly in them, in their thinking, in their application. You test it to see what's actually there. Well, that's no different to you and I when it comes to faith. Faith has to be tested to see what is there, which, re which means this affliction, these challenges, these, these bad things that are happening to us, they are the resistance, the weight that's coming against us to show what's really there, how strong our muscle truly is. And it's not in the, 
in the big moments of faith, you know, we, we read stories about Peter walking on the water and we think, wow, that was such a step of faith. Literally, he steps out of the boat and he walks on the water. Such a man of faith Peter was. But it's not in the big things. It's in the ordinary monotony, the ordinary everydayness of life with relationships and people screaming abuse or giving us a finger the way we drive or whatever's going on. That's when our faith is being tested. That is when we're exercising the muscle as to how we see God and the circumstance we're walking through. And that is the correlation between faith and affliction. Faith, the conviction, the belief, the hope that God's goodness chases after me and the affliction coming together to say, I will trust in God. Or as Job says in, in chapter 13, Job, all he was walking through, he says, though God may slay me, yet will I trust in him. In other words, no matter what I'm walking through, no matter if it's one year, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, no matter what difficulties I'm facing, no matter what comes my way, a diagnosis of cancer, of a partner dying, of, of bad stuff happening, yet will I trust in him. I will not give up. I will not quit. That's faith. You know, which brings me to the third point. I'm on the home stretch. Hang on here. Faith is birthed and grown in affliction. Faith is developed through perseverance. And faith is exhibited, it's expressed through our actions. You know, a lot of us verbally assent to faith. Do you have faith? Oh, yeah, 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 I have faith. Yeah, God is good. God is good. I can sing God is good. But our actions speak louder than our words. Faith is true faith when it is, it is just part of who we are. It's when the going get tough, the tough get going, and it just, it just seeps out of us. You know, and we see with Hannah, Again and again and again, she kept going to the temple. Uh, you know, I, I picture myself if I was Hannah and my husband Elkanah said, all right, off we go again to the temple to, to give our sacrifices and thank God. And, and my, my rival arch wife is, you know, hee hee hee, you're, you're barren, you're pathetic, you're, what a disappointment you are, what a great shame you are to Elkanah. Being teased, I'm sure I would do the following. Okay, bye-bye, Elkanah. Bye-bye, Elkanah and Panina. Have a nice time. I'll just stay here at home. I'll watch Netflix. Yeah. It'd be easier just not to keep going to the temple. But that's not what she does. She keeps swimming. She keeps swimming. She keeps going to the temple. She keeps worshipping. She keeps looking to God time after time after time. Even when I'm sure she felt like giving up. How many of us at times go, God, do you hear my prayer? And we feel like just giving up, quitting. It's just too hard to keep going. But she perseveres and she trusts in God and she clings to his nature and character. 
And again, you know, there's a, there's a great passage in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the, the Heroes of the Faith chapter. And, and throughout this chapter, it talks about how in verse 13, all these people, so it talks about Noah and Moses and David and, and on and on and on. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Did you get that? They did not receive the things promised. Oh, hello, what? You mean we don't always get what God promises us? Like, what's that about? And it goes on at the end, verse 39. These heroes of the faith were all commended for their faith. So Noah, Moses, all these guys. Yet none of them received what had been promised. None of them had received what had been promised. You know, the story of Elkanah and Hannah, it ends with her getting pregnant and having children. It's like a happy ever after, bow on the top. Uh, nice little story. But sometimes it doesn't end that way. You know, God's ways are not our ways, and His timing is not our timing. You know, an illustration of this in, in, uh, Mar in Mark chapter 5, many of you would know the story of the woman with chronic bleeding. And she goes to all the doctors she can go to she can go to for 12 years. She's going to doctors because of her bleeding. And the story tells us she spent all the money she had on these doctors and trying to be healed of this bleeding. And yet when Jesus comes to town, this woman who is, is desperate to, to believe that Jesus can, can heal her. In verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. You know, are you praying and looking to God for something this morning? Or have you given up in disappointment? Now there's a passage that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I know in my life, where some of those very deep personal prayers, I have yet to see breakthrough. I have yet to see answered. And I feel like the woman in the crowd I know you can heal me. I know you can touch me. I just don't see the answer. But I'm reminded many never saw the answer. But they kept going. They lived lives with actions that, that exhibited a faith in God that he is the one that can meet my need. And so we see with Hannah, it was when she got to this place of absolute surrender, of absolute abandonment, that something changed in her circumstance. 
when she cried out to God after the 19th year, God, I surrender, but if you give me a son, I will give him to you. In that place of absolute abandonment, of absolute crying out in desperate faith to say, God, meet me in what I'm walking through. She said, God, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose, her and Elkanah and Penina, and they worshiped before the Lord. And they went back to their home at Ramah. And Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel, because, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Samuel is a Hebrew word. It means heard by God. She didn't give up. And at that moment, when she prayed in absolute surrender, God met her. Hannah exhibited faith through her actions. She followed through. She gave up a son that she had cried for for 19 years. You know, where Peninnah insulted her, Eli rebuked her, but God heard her. And we see Eli, Hannah says to Eli, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. You know, that would have been hard to do. Think about it. You've prayed for it your whole life and then you have to give it up. That's faith through action. So this morning, just a reminder, God uses bad stuff. He uses afflictions to birth faith. Faith, the evidence of things hoped for, the belief in God's nature and character. He uses afflictions to birth it. He uses perseverance to grow it, to keep going, to not give up, no matter even if the answer doesn't come, to say, God, yet I trust in your goodness that runs after me. Even though I don't see the answer, even though I don't know when this will be answered, I trust in you. And faith is exhibited through our actions, through our everyday life. You know, this morning as we end our time, what's the affliction, the challenge that you're walking through? What is it that God's wanting to grow that faith muscle, to test it, to see what's really there? Perhaps you've come this morning and you've been praying for so long, but nothing seems to be happening. Does God hear me? Does God see me? God's wanting to say, don't give up. 
I'm growing that muscle inside of you. I am good. I am committed to you. And is there perhaps a a small step God is asking you to take this morning? Maybe a step or an action that says, God, I surrender. I surrender my expectations. I surrender my, my demands of what I think the answer to this prayer looks like. I surrender this, this relationship or this challenge or whatever it is. God, I come and I worship you and I keep coming. I keep swimming. I keep swimming and I cry out to you, Father, knowing that he who began a good work in me is faithful to bring it to completion, even if I don't know what that completion looks like. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to get connected with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.